Hello everyone, welcome to Shades and Layers. This is episode 9 of season 2. I'm your host, Gutwanus Kosana Ritchie. We continue profiling the entrepreneurs and game changers who are changing and adding diversity to the wellness space. And today it's the story of life and relationship coach Rosemary Mopambwa. When the Zimbabwean-born Rosemary lost her husband in the year 2000, and soon after that her parents, and not long after her siblings, some friends and a whole host of others, she felt as though her world was ending. Being the resilient person that she is, she somehow found the courage to leave her three small kids behind and seek her fortune and healing in the Americas. She has now found a home in Calgary, Canada. This is where she runs her life and relationship coaching business and celebrates many great successes. She has also written a book called Exhume or Heal, a widow's memoir, which is both her story and the journey to healing, as well as a toolkit for other women facing some life-changing events. Our conversation explores some of the tools she uses in her practice, a difficult case that she has dealt with, and her no-nonsense approach to getting clients to do their work. As you will find out, it's not all serious talk. Rosemary is a great storyteller, and she has a wicked sense of humor. First up, let's find out how she views the work that she does. I describe what I do as uh, solving um, every woman's problems from their past and open the door for their future. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is um, I work with women that have hit rock bottom Mm. in, in their relationships and in their lives. They could have gone through divorce, a terrible divorce, they could have been widowed mm-hmm. or they could have been heartbroken or they could have, um, you know, gone through challenges. Either they were laid off or they are retired or they are empty nesters and they don't know what to do with themselves. Mm-hmm. They are so full of pain and so grief and regret of what happened in the past and they don't know how to move forward. I help them to deal with their pain and also accept what happened to them yesterday? That's, you know what, it happened, but I have to learn to forgive so that I can move ahead. So would you call yourself a life coach or a relationship coach? My work is both a relationship coach and a life coach. Uh, for relationships, I help those people that have gone through um the relationship predicaments, either widowhood, divorce, or they've been heartbroken, to get back on their feet and get them back into, into the dating scene with a bang. And then for those that choose not to go back into the dating scene, I come in as a life coach to mm-hmm. equip them with the tools that they can move on without blaming themselves for what happened yesterday. So what kind of tools do you give your clients to do this work? Uh, The first thing that we do is uh, we go through a self-assessment or personal inventory journey. Mm -hmm. We look at where you have been and what happened to get you where you are. And then I will help you to heal. You have to be healthy yourself inside and out. So I give them tools to heal from their life. Mm -hmm. And then when they are totally healed, then we work on their self-confidence. We give them the tools to to reignite their groove back. 
So once you have your proof back, mm. you can get back into into work. You can look for another job. You can start a new business, or you can start dating again. How do you know when you've been successful with a client? I know when I've been successful with a client by the way she is uh, talking about herself, because when the clients come, they are always talking from uh, a pity party mindset, mm. defeated mindset. Oh yeah. I went through because so and so did this. I'm going through uh, all this pain because he broke my heart. When I have helped this woman to go through that self-realization journey, you will hear you say, you know what? It's okay that I got divorced from him. It's not the end of the world. Now I am ready to do A, B, C, D so that I can move forward. When I start hearing my clients saying that, then I know, wow, now we are at the next level in their journey. And what have you found to be the most difficult part of the process that you take your clients through? Where do they hit the wall or, you know, where it's really, really hard to break through? Uh, it's when they, uh, they have gone through a terrible divorce for them to forgive their ex-husband they will come in with a with a whole list of things there was one client that came that had 35 points (laughs) of the things that the the ex-husband had done to her yeah it's a long list (laughs) yeah and she was going in detail about everything he did this to me he even did this to my sister He, he did this to my children he did this Mm-hmm. Then I asked you, what did you do? What part did you take? And I said, you let all these things happen for the 15 years that you were together with your husband. Why didn't you do something about it? Mm-hmm. And then she said, oh, yeah, because I had invested so much time in the relationship. And I said, you see, so you also took part in it. How, how do you strike a balance between empathy and mm-hmm. pushing somebody to say, hey, take responsibility? Um, I have to be honest with them. I have to be honest with them because sometimes you have to be uh, a little bit cruel to be kind because if I'm not being honest with my clients, then they will continue um, doing the same thing but with different people. Yeah. So what's the worst (laughs) case that you've ever come across? Uh, the worst case that I ever came across was uh, this lady that had lost um, her husband. So what happened was that they were only married for two years mm. and she was pregnant when the husband passed away. Mm. And so what she did was um, she was walking around with uh, her husband's ashes in her purse. Oh, and. It, it came to a point where she was dipping her fingers into the ashes and eating them. No. Because she felt if, if, if she left the urn at home, she was abandoning her husband. And for her to be eating uh, the ashes, it was like she was being part of the late husband. Mm. Feeling that, you know, uh, I still have him with me and he needs uh, to take part in the growth of my child, our child. Mm. But those ashes were actually damaging her health and the health of her unborn 
unborn child and that she was really, really, really getting uh, emotionally unstable to a point where even going to a shower should have the end, going to bed should have the end, everywhere she went. So the mom is the one that called me and said, Rose, I need you to talk to my daughter. And the first time she came, she screamed on the phone and said, you know what? I am not coming to that appointment. I am not talking to you. I don't want anybody to separate me with my husband. And then the only thing I did was to to send a uh, a self-assessment form. And I said, okay, I'm going to email you this form. I want you to answer each and every question in that form. Send it to me. And then she sent the form to me. And she actually called me and she was crying. Mm. And she said, Mm. I didn't realize that this is what was happening to me. But it took a while for her just to accept to leave the earth. So it was, you know, a baby steps. Then she stopped uh, eating the ashes. But mm-hmm. for her just to leave the urn at home, it took a while. So she was also at a point where she was going to lose her job. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, she really came to a point where she had to choose what to do. This is Jason Layers. My guest today is Rosemary Mupambwa, a life and relationship coach based in Calgary, Canada. In this next part of our conversation, we discuss how she helps clients like the one she just mentioned through a toolkit she developed. It is all contained in her book, Exhumo Heal, A Widow's Memoir, where she shares her life lessons and wisdoms gathered through the years. One of the things I like about this part of our conversation is her appreciation for women friends the ones who will push you to do better, and how this push from her own friend sent her down the path of starting her coaching business. Let's talk about your book, Exhume or Heal. Tell me how it came about. Exhume or Heal is about a journey, Um, my journey as a widow, the struggles that I went through, and how I was able to use resilience to pick up the pieces and move on. My story uh, talks to everybody that has gone through adversities. It doesn't matter which life challenges you have gone through. Uh, The message there is healing is your choice. It's up to you to either continue crying and not doing anything about your pain or to cry and start doing something positive to change your life. So my journey starts when I lost my husband. Mm. I was left with uh, three children. My youngest was five years old. Uh, Yeah, I came from three incomes to one income. Mm -hmm. uh, Both my husband and myself were college lecturers at a college. uh, And then he also had an engineering company on the side. Mm -hmm. So when he passed away, we had to close that engineering company because I didn't know anything about Mm -hmm. engineering. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Of course, yeah. So I went through a lot of um, financial challenges and I went through a lot of betrayal. The people that had promised to be there for me were never there for me. And in the process, I lost my dad, I lost my mom, I lost my all my brothers, my three brothers uh, passed away. Three of my best friends passed, passed away, the Goodness. ones that, yeah, the ones that I went to college with, to school with, I grew up. They all passed away. So I felt like the bottom of my world has just been ripped off. Mm -hmm. And I was diving into this bottomless pit. 
And the only way I could stop myself falling into this pit was to find a ground to, to stand on. Mm. I came to this realization when I went for a women's retreat. One of my friends here in Calgary invited me uh, to a retreat uh, when I had returned from home in Zimbabwe in 2019 when I lost my youngest brother to a heart attack. After I came back, I was so isolated. I just didn't want any people around me. I just didn't want to, to be socializing with anybody because I was just going through too much. Mm. Like, why? Why, God? Why me? Why do I continue losing people? Mm. So she invited me to this women's retreat and she said, I, uh, I just want you to come so that you can be among other women. You might learn something, you might not learn something, but let's just go. So I had a whole list of excuses why I shouldn't be hanging around other women. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to take a no for an answer. And I think in life, we need friends like that. Mm. That no for an answer. She offered to drive me to that retreat and she said, the only thing I want you to pay is for the retreat fees. That way you are going to be uh, accountable so that you learn something out of it. But she drove me there and drove me back. Mm. in that retreat that's where i met my healing and this is why now i also run women's retreats i was listening to all the other women sharing the struggles that they had gone through with their in-laws their friends you know having stuff taken away from them and that's when i realized that you know what i wasn't the only one who was going through this but what are we doing about it nothing we are just here sharing our pain mm. and don't do something. We are just going to live here just as wounded as we were. And even worse, because already you you are also carrying pain from uh, the other women sure. in the group. Yeah. So mm. now what are we doing? Mm. So that we made a decision as a group that, ladies, we need to turn our lives around. For me, I had a whole list of people that had stolen from me, that had betrayed me that had accused me of things that I didn't do. And I said, you know what, enough is enough. I cannot continue carrying all this pain. Mm. I have to forgive them because mm. what I wanted was revenge. The more I wanted to revenge, the more pain I was causing myself. So you wrote the book, you run a retreat. Uh, what other services do you offer under uh, Rosemary's Life Coaching? I'm also a, a Reiki master. Mm. I do healing because I realize that, um, you know, as, as human beings, we are energy. And when we go through all these struggles, we pick up all these negative energies that will end up being blockages in our lives. You mm. pick up all these illnesses, you know, shared trauma from where you have been. And we don't realize that all these bad energies and all these negative energies, they stick with us. So until you let them go, they, those are the things that are going to block your path to success. So most of the ladies, when they come, I also have a gift of seeing visions. So mm -hmm. a lot of people come and when they start telling me their journeys, already I can see the things that they are not telling me. Mm. <laughs> and then when they are done, I will tell them, you know what, you told me this, but I think the truth is this. Now for us to move forward, we need to remove that 
that veil that is wrapped around you mm, so that we mm. can break through and get to you. And from there, you can see people will, will start on a new journey. The first thing that they want is to forgive, mm. which is good. <laughs> yeah. So would you say that's your starting point with everyone, forgiveness? Yes, forgiveness is the starting point. But also, before you even forgive, you need to know what you are forgiving the people and why you are forgiving them. Because you cannot just wake up and say, okay, I forgive you. Why are you? <laughs> sure. <laughs> what <did> you do? <laughs> so if I came to one of your retreats, what would the experience be like? Um, the experience would be like, I'll take you through a journey of uh, self-realization. To let you realize uh, the reason why you were stuck in your pain. Mm. Because most of the people, when they are talking, you know, they are, they are always in a victim mindset. So when you come to, to the retreat, everybody will do their own self-assessment. And then once we do that, we do lots of expressive therapy so that you can release all that negative energy. Mm. And then once that's done, if they are willing to go through uh, the Reiki sessions with me, then we do the Reiki sessions. And then after that, it's forgiveness time, getting your groove back. And mm. by the time you leave there, you'll be a brand new person. So this gift of seeing what people are not telling you, is this something you've cultivated or it comes to you naturally? You know, it was uh, when I wrote my book mm. and when I went to um, another spiritual conference, mm. that's when I realized that, oh, yeah, I had this gift because there was this pastor who was there, who was also very gifted. And she told me that, you know what, where you are going right now is not where, where you are supposed to be. You need to pray much more than what you are doing. And then I, uh, I stopped going to the church that I was going and I, I went to a different one. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I got to, uh, to that congregation, that's when I started realizing that, wow, I can see things that um, people cannot see in flesh. Mm. And I started talking to the people that were there that, you know what, I had a vision that this and this was going to happen and this is what is happening to you. And people would start crying like, wow, who told you about that? And they said, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I just mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, amazing. I had learned to, to forgive and to let go of all those pain and um, the wounds that I had, that um, I opened a new door to my life. Mm. And it released mm. all that yeah. weight you were carrying around. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Mm. This is the Shades and Layers podcast with Kutuanus Kusana Ricci. Up next, we get into the personal story of Rosemary Mupambwa, life coach, author and speaker. It is a story of resilience, reinvention and sheer determination. She tells us about her three children who are now grown up, all about setting boundaries and practicing what she preaches about dating and relationships. So let's talk about you. You've mentioned three children. Yes. Um, you also mentioned Zimbabwe. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell me what brought you to Calgary in Canada? Okay. After I lost my husband, two years later, my dad passed away. Mm. And uh, that's when I 
felt like, you know what, the head of protection or the shoulder that I had uh, to cry on was gone. Mm. And I felt um, for safety, I needed to leave the country and start a brand new life mm. on a clean slate. That's when I decided to leave Zimbabwe and I came to North America. So I was separated from my children for six years. Oh, dear. Before, yeah, before we were able to um, to reunite again. Mm-hmm. So when I came, I came through the States. I stayed in the States for almost two years and, 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 and some months. Mm-hmm. I tried to get my, uh, my papers in the U.S. I couldn't. And I paid so much money through the lawyers and still I couldn't get uh, my stay in the States. And then there was an exchange program between uh, the U.S. and Canada. Canada wanted some uh, professionals from um, other African countries and Zimbabwe fell into into that category. So Mm. that's how I came into Canada. Mm. But I came into Canada through Ontario. Mm So, so I stayed in Ontario for six months mm. before uh, I drove for three days coming west, um, mm. yeah, mm. Uh, west to, to Calgary. Because in Ontario, uh, we couldn't find jobs. You know, really? there was a uh, we couldn't find work. Most of the jobs there, they, they were all in, in call centers. And, you know, uh, having been in the States for... Uh, um, two and a half years. I had worked in call centers. I had worked in um, long-term care facilities, but I was a college lecturer. Mm. And I, when I came to Canada, I made the decision that I am not <laughs> going to do those sure. jobs again. I mm. am not going to do that. I'm going to find something that is in line with what I used to go to do to see in Zimbabwe. But mm. still, I, I had to send myself back to college and to university to get new qualifications. Mm. So uh, a bunch of us then decided to drive from Ontario to come to Alberta because uh, Alberta was uh, hiring so many people in every profession. So that's how I decided to come to Calgary. Mm. And then before you uh, took yourself back to college, did you manage to get back into lecturing? Yeah, when I first arrived in Ontario, I worked in um, in a call center mm-hmm. while uh, I was waiting for my for my credentials to be validated, and then that's when I was told uh, for me to to go back into lecturing, I had to go back to university full time for two years. Mm. And I, I had three children at home and my mom to take care of. Mm. I couldn't afford that. So I decided to do uh, courses online. Mm. So I did a diploma in social work online. After that, I managed to get uh, a job as a social worker. And then uh, during that time, I sent myself back to university and mm. did a degree mm. in sociology. Mm. And so um, after that, I was working as a domestic violence counselor. I was working in the mental health field for a long, long, long time. Mm. And um, after that, you know, my life had had improved, Mm. you know, from a call center to where I was before Mm. I started doing what I was doing now. And what were you lecturing in? Back in Zimbabwe, I was lecturing in... uh, human resources, public relations, business economics, mm. business 
education and shorthand. You know, mm. a lot of people say shorthand, they're like, what? So, you know, <laughs> it was the way of speed writing. Yeah, I, I did write. it at university. Oh, I could it. never get it right, but yes. <laughs> I didn't have the patience. <laughs> yeah, where people would write 120 words a minute, you know, mm-hmm. it was. So I used to teach that and I used to write the 120 words a minute. Can you still but, do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still use, you know, uh, some symbols. So, you know, when I'm doing my own writing, mm. like when I was writing my book, Half of it was shortened. Mm. So when mm. I was um, asking other people to, to help me type, would bump into all these symbols and signs. They are like, well, we can't read your manuscript because there's some <laughs> signs that you have put in there. And I thought, you know what? I'll type it myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what are your top three memories from childhood, adulthood, just living in Zimbabwe? Um, my biggest memory was how I was raised because my dad um, always told me that it doesn't matter that you are a girl. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can always achieve your highest potential because um, why I say that is, um, you know, I was the first girl in my village to go to boarding school mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. because my dad was like, I know, Rose, you are intelligent. And you are strong enough to go to boarding school. Because back then, the girl child um, was always raised and given just enough uh, tools to finish seventh grade. And mm. then you get married. Mm. But my dad said no. Even my mom said no. Rose, you, you are going to go to, um, to, to school. You are going to go to high school and go to university and be somebody better. Mm. But our relatives were so against my dad why he was wasting money because they thought I was going to get pregnant in the in the, uh, school and waste all that money. But you know that was also something. Um, you know it was like the accountability that I grew up with. Like mm. I had to prove to people that you know what I'm a girl, but I am going to go to university and I am going to do something much bigger than what you thought. Mm-hmm. The second was um, the faith in God. I grew up with a mom that was a prayer warrior. She dragged everybody by the ear to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> yes, mom. <laughs> yeah, it was mom. And you would go, whether you are sick, whether you are coughing, or whether you are what, let's go to church. You, you are going to pray so that God can heal that cold that you have. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. And then the third thing was never to give up. Never to give up on yourself. Because if you don't fight for yourself, nobody will. Mm. And it's always a it's always your choice. Life is a choice. Mm. And mm. what you do in life is going to determine who you are and what you will be. Mm. Who gave you the wisest advice as a girl growing up that you still remember today, someone outside your family? 
one of my my aunties from my mom's side, because she's the one that when mom called and said, Rose has finished high school. Mm. Now uh, I need help for her to decide which career choice, what she's going to do in university. So this auntie actually came to our house and sat with me for half the night. And she was telling me about all the opportunities in life. And she even told me, uh, because back then we, we were still going through um, colonization and independence in Zimbabwe. Mm. Mm. And so she said, um, remember, you are a black woman and you should be proud of who you are. But you are going to face challenges in life and even racism. Mm. But it's up to you how you are going to deal with it. So every time when I would meet challenges, I would remember those words. Like, you know what? I was told that life will never be uh, a bed of roses. Mm. It's up to me. So nowadays, <laughs> what does your typical day look like in your life? Nowadays, it's always um, uh, communicating with uh, new clients on Facebook, going to the emails and talking to people. People will be calling, uh, asking advice. And um, yeah. what else uh, is in, is involved in uh, running uh, your life coaching business? Uh, marketing. Mm. Because, oh, you know, uh, I would pay people to do it. But um, I also realized that, you know what, I can also save a lot of money mm. if I go to these classes and learn how to do it myself. Mm. Yeah. And the other thing also that I've learned is to, to create boundaries, mm. you know. When it's time not to be working, then I say, no, I am done for the week. I am done for the weekend. Now it's my alone time. Mm, because mm. before I used to work seven days a week. Oy. It was mm. exhausting. So I also learned that, you know what, I need a time even to, to start dating. Because you know, <laughs> Of course, you can't be telling people how to yeah. date and you don't apply your own tools. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, Friday after this time I am done because I'm going to be with my guy and mm. he also needed my attention. Mm. You know, mm. I had to, to practice what I was preaching. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your children. I have three children. My mm. eldest daughter uh, is now 33 years old. Mm -hmm. She's a, um, an RN here in Canada. Mm -hmm. She works as uh, a case manager in the, um, the healthcare region of the province. But on the side, she also teaches CPR, which mm -hmm. is a side hustle. And mm -hmm. she also sells hair. She has a business to sell hair. Mm -hmm. My son, uh, Ronnie, He's now uh, 30. He's going to be turning 30 next month. He used to be a DJ in mm. a club. Then mm. he, he owned a club. He was still a DJ, but employing other DJs. And then he opened one restaurant. But now he has opened a second and he's going to be opening a third and a fourth restaurant. Mm. So he's now a, ser a serial business owner. Mm. My youngest daughter was uh, in university. She was doing a second year in finance. And then she decided to stop and started um, her shoe line. Her shoe mm -hmm. line is called Rose. Now she designs shoes. She has her own store. She employs other people to work for her. So they are all business people. Wonderful. <laughs> wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. That's uh, some great family milestones there. Yeah. So how do you it's define what, success? Um, you define success when you are happy with where you are. 
when you have peace in your heart, then you know that you are successful. When you are able to uh, to help others get to where they want to be, you know, you know that uh, you can help your friends to climb up. If you don't help them, you are not successful. Very nice. I think I have uh, one more thing to ask you before we wrap things up. Uh, there's this term, term that you use in your work called weedology. Can you define yeah. it for us? Okay. Um, weedology is, uh, is a world that a widow is living in. Uh, somebody at a women's conference said to me, you know what, widows, you are very boring. And I said, why? Why do you say widows are boring? And she said, because you always talk in past tense. You know, and what she meant was um, when you are talking, when uh, people that are married, they always say, oh, yeah, today we went out with my husband mm. and we did this with our children. But for a widow, you know, they'll be talking past it. Oh, yeah, when my husband was still alive, mm. we used to go for trips and my children would do this. But nowadays, because I'm a single mom, I only... <laughs> Right. They are always walking around with um, part of their body missing. <laughs> mm, mm, okay. So that's widology. <laughs> that's widology. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for this conversation. Can you tell the Shades and Layers listeners where they can find you? Um, yeah, thank you for having me. My email address is rtm at roses lifecoaching.com or they can find me on my website www.roseslifecoaching.com And that is all for this time around from Shades and Layers. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Rosemary for sharing her story. You can find her social media links in the show notes. You can also stay in touch with me via Instagram on the handle at Shades and Layers Podcast one word. Until next time, please do take good care.